a new bi-weekly show on the Fish Stripes podcast, starring Isaac Azut and Kevin Barral. Fish Stripes Unfiltered starts right now. Fish Stripes Unfiltered, my name is Kevin, back with Isaac Azut. It feels like it's been a long time, but it really hasn't. It's just been a week. Uh, no Marlins baseball, thankfully. You know, the season's over. Um, playoffs are in. So, I mean, Isaac, how are you, man? It, it feels weird to not have Marlins baseball, but, I mean, it feels pretty good at the same time because we don't have to see a team lose. So, I mean, how are you, man? Yeah, mercifully, the season came to an end a couple of days ago. Um, it has. It does feel like we've been, you know, we haven't done this in a long time. I think it's just, you know, the end of the season and me covering some games. And, and it just, it really does seem like it's more than two weeks for sure, but I'm glad to be here. And I'm looking forward to today's episode. Yeah, we, we do have a lot to talk about, uh, as well as the Q&A, finally. I mean, we've been wanting to do this for a while. We finally got some questions, so we'll get that for sure. But uh, I think we're going to start with the NL East, talk about that division, what we saw from it this year, and you know what the future of that division for sure looks like. And I would say it was one that we thought was going to be the most competitive division. It maybe turned out to be the worst division in the in the season. I mean, what were your thoughts on that, Isaac? Uh, the, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind, honestly, is just such a shame because this division, we thought going into it, like you said, was just going to be a, a, a brutal division to compete in. And it turned out the division was up for grabs. And it's a shame because the Marlins, you know, going into this year, were like really hoping to be competitive. And 87, or I'm sorry, 88, 89 wins would have secured a title. Uh, but unfortunately, the Marlins weren't even close. They finished fourth in the division, and luckily not last. They finished two games ahead of Washington. Uh, ahead of the seller but yeah hopefully the division stays pretty you know non-competent in the near future and gives the Marlins an opportunity to 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 get their first division title in franchise history yeah and I think it's pretty much a repeat of last year what on what the division looked like I know it was Braves first uh was it Mets second or was it no it was Marlins second in 2020 then mm-hmm. followed by the Phillies then the Mets and finally the Nationals this season it looks a little bit different it was it's Braves, Phillies, Mets, Marlins, Nationals. I mean, kind of a, what it looked like in 2019, very similar, I would say. Um, yeah, you look at it, this division had a lot of hype going into it, especially with the moves that were being made. Lindor, um, Philly got a lot better. The Braves have Acuna, obviously. The Marlins seemed to be that underdog team, and they really couldn't prove it. Nationals looked like always to be a good team, so... Yeah, I mean, what are your expectations for that f- division in the future? I mean, what are you expecting the offseason to happen? I mean, really quick on the division for this year, I think the couple of surprises were the Mets, you yeah. know, sort of falling off towards the end of the year. I think that was a, a team that most people probably had winning the division and going pretty far in the playoffs. But they, you know, they they just they fell apart a little bit. And then the next surprise, which at the beginning of the year, you wouldn't say it would have been a surprise, but I think the Braves winning the division – well, you know, the way Acuna went down at Lone Depot Park and, you know, they weren't performing well. Their pitching wasn't there. Their offense was struggling. They lost Ozuna. And I think for Atlanta to come back and just win the division pretty easily was, in my, you know, in my opinion anyway, very surprising. So kudos to them. They continue being the alpha dog of this division. And I'm sure they'll be there again next year. Yeah, I know there's like a, a website. I think it was Picota that had them in third place. So, I mean, that's how, you, you know, that's how people thought the Braves were going to do. Obviously, you know, us in knowing a lot more the division than probably a lot of these sites that, you know, predict this. Um, Atlanta, we knew was going to finish at the top or at least close to that. But 
I think the Mets just fell off. I think they they had they, something major league history. It was like 109 straight days holding first place, and then mm-hmm. it all came down to not making the playoffs. So mm-hmm. you really look at it. The Mets were a huge disappointment, and especially they made that heavy bias trade. You mm-hmm. you got buys and you got Lindor. They just couldn't get it going for some reason. They just never got it going. And we talk about disappointment. So if we're gonna get on that topic as well, I mean the Padres they didn't even make the playoffs <laughs> either. But I mean that'll for sure be a a discussion for probably when we talk about the playoffs. So yeah, F- Philly really did have a chance to. If we talk about Philly, I thought we all expect the Philly kind of to fall down because of that bullpen. But Bryce Harper just just went crazy. Started mashing. Started really putting the team on his back and got it going. Then Washington just destroyed it they blew it up scherzer gone schwarber gone uh trey turner gone so i mean you really look at it and especially at the start of the season isaac you really thought the marlins had something going because you thought they could have taken it they really could have they had a chance acuna went down philly really wasn't looking good the mets had a lot of guys injured it it was miami's division to win and they really couldn't get it going so i don't know if you have anything else to really cover on this but i mean let me know yeah i mean I think there's maybe a small uh, time frame where if the Marlins were to make the playoffs this year, it was going to have to be through the division. I think the NL wildcard race was just crowded with teams that were better than Miami, just like the whole National League in general. And I think there was a short period of time where Miami was like maybe five, seven, nine games back of that first place spot in the NL East. And they just, you know, were never able to get close to to finishing a top but yeah there was a little bit when Acuna got injured and Philadelphia was imploding and New York was going through their whole bullshit and Washington blew it up there was a there was a little chance there but it never really came yeah. to fruition at all yeah the Marlins really never got it going and I think that was during the series in San Francisco which that that, that was a pretty cool series to watch with that I think it was like a Aguilar walk-off if I'm correct so it, it was a crazy time and you know now, now the Marlins aren't even in the playoffs so not much discussion there uh, I want to move on to quickly the Todd Hollinsworth news. He was no, he was not renewed. What are your thoughts on that? And who do you think should replace Todd? Yeah, so Valley um, Sports, I guess, announced that he his contract will not be renewed. It was expired. Paul Severino will be back as the play-by-play yeah. guy. Um, and regarding Todd, he was great. He was here since 2017. He was Rich Walt's partner during John Carlos' MVP season, and he's been throughout the rebuild, the the color analyst. And so, you know, it's tough to see him go. But to be honest, him and Paul really sounded alike. So it was a little tough to hear them on television a lot. I agree. So, yeah, you know, I wish him the best. And regarding who could replace him, I think they're going to stay in-house. Maybe Kelly Sacco is a good option. I think she's been fantastic on the radio with Glenn and JP and Kyle Silar. And I think another guy is JP Arancibia. He could maybe be a, be a color analyst. He's done that on the radio the whole the whole season, most of the, most of the games. So, yeah, they definitely have a lot of options. And another, like, cool option would be if uh, Tommy Hutton came back and did a couple of um, did a couple of games as the color analyst as well. Yeah. J- JP. Todd was a weird guy. I mean, he, he was great. He, he sounded – yeah, they both sounded the same. That's for sure. But, yeah, I, I don't think many people really liked Todd Hollinsworth, you know, for, for his analyst – you know, the way he, he looked at the game. He looked at it more in the player's perspective for sure. I think that's something we could all agree on. He was on the Marlins for a while. Pretty sure he won the World Series with the Marlins at some point. So, yeah, and options, I, I would either go Kelly or JP because if they're going in-house, I mean, Tommy Hutton would be great and you somehow get Rich Walt back. That would be the dream scenario for the for, for at least us, you know. It, it's going to be interesting to see who, who they really get. Gabby Sanchez is another option. Um, so, yeah, uh, it was kind of a – 
we expect we not many of us expected it to happen let's be honest but when it came out you know we were some of us rejoiced some of us were a little down that you know todd who's been with us for three years the whole rebuild you know props to him staying through this thing not ever you know trying to leave which i don't think he would but i mean people leave <laughs> you know you, you're covering a bad team like the marlins you would want to leave at some point so yeah uh moving on castellanos craig mish He's been on the Castellanos train. I mean, not train, but not the bandwagon either. But he's been rumoring it, and, and Miami's just it, – it's been a target. Miami's made this a target, it looks like. Craig talked about it on his podcast, Swings and Mishes. Isaac, what are your thoughts on, on this possible Castellanos to Miami rumor? I'll keep it brief. Uh, a dream scenario. Definitely yeah. a dream scenario that just seems a little unlikely just due to the money that he's expected to command. He's going to opt out of his contract now and let's be honest he's one of the best pure hitters in all of baseball he has a career ops of 814 he just hits he was like i think he has like the seventh most doubles in a season in that 2020 in that 2019 season i'm sorry where he he just went off with a crazy amount of 58 doubles i believe it was but yeah like i said a dream scenario for the marlins he would play i would play him either at, i think i saw someone say third base maybe or any outfield spot preferably a corner spot but yeah, I think a lot of a lot of things have to go right for that to even be a, a conversation starter. But yeah, according to Craig Mish, the Marlins are gonna like do their due diligence with this player, and hopefully it'll it'll come true. I just know that he he doesn't enjoy playing in pitcher friendly ballparks, and Lone Depot is the epitome of that. So yeah. we'll have to see what happens there. Castano plays third. He can. I did not know that. First time I'm hearing that. Yeah, Castellanos, dream scenario, uh, highly unlikely because you really look at the Yankees. Giants. Now we can throw in that conversation. You also have the Dodgers. Those teams are going to go after these top guys, not just Castellanos, but Starlin Marte is on the market because we know Kim Ang said at some point that she would keep the door open to that. But teams are going to outbid the Marlins very, very quickly. And Miami's going to make those low ball offers that they've been known to make. They made one to Aguilar in an extension. They did it to to Sandy at some point. So, uh, I mean, Castellanos is a really good player. He's one of the top outfielders in the game. He would easily go to left field. I'm pretty sure because. You would have Jesus at right, and if they made the trade for Brian Reynolds, you would be center field, or you would get De La Cruz, I guess, which wouldn't be the option we want, but he's been good, and he's proven himself. So, yeah, Castellanos would be ideal. I don't know what a contract would look like, but I know it would be around the uh, $40 million range, I think they mentioned at some point. It would be close to $20 million a year annually. Yeah, so Miami, you know, just, just for a little reference, Miami offered Marte, I think it was a three-year – 36 million dollar deal he didn't take Plus that so yeah yeah he didn't take it so and castellanos is better than Marte, for what i know in my opinion at least so he would be demanding a lot more money and if miami makes it happen they do and that really proves that they're they're out here to make moves and they're trying to win so the one thing that he does have riding he he lived around that area he, he was from florida i think it was from broward county i'm pretty sure it was so you look at it that's maybe one of the things they have as an advantage that he, he he knows the team he knows the team well most likely he was a fan of the marlins as a kid so it'll be interesting to see what happens for sure yeah archbishop um, archbishop mccarthy graduate in high school yeah so miami you know if, if you're not going to screw something up don't screw this one up because castellanos in miami that would be nice and i know he did talk a little crap about i think it was the detroit lions ballpark at some point that he did tigers. not like playing there yeah the tigers nfl season man yeah yeah the the tigers yeah um he did not like hitting there 
uh, Cincinnati, I'm pretty sure, is a really good ballpark for hitting, and it's been and you could see it from him. I mean, the guy's been mashing this year. I mean, if if Cincinnati was a little more popular, I think he would for sure be some guy that you would consider in the NL MVP voting. Which I know Pete asked a question about that, which we'll be getting to later. So yeah, we're gonna start with a series we wanted to do. It's kind of like a player spotlight thing. I know Eli's doing it on his uh, on fishstripes.com, the website. We're going to do it here ourselves as well. And we're going to start going player by player, talking about their season. And I think we're going to start with the ace of the team, the MVP that we all voted on Fish Stripes Live, Sandy Alcantara. What did you think of the season? What do you think his future holds? And we 100% are talking about the contract extension. Honestly, I, I think Sandy really shit the bed this year. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Sandy Alcantara was, is one of the best pitchers in the, ma- in the major leagues. Top two in the National League East behind Jake Bigram. I think he really like just came out and had that breakout season that he would have maybe had last year had it not been for a 60-game shortened season. But man, if you just look at every single number, every single peripheral stat, it just shows dominance. And like he really, if you look at it, he had two bad starts all season long. And that's about it. And he had some like clunkers, like including the last his last start of the season against Philadelphia. But he really never imploded other than those two times against Colorado and Los Angeles. So if you just look at it, you know, the numbers speak for themselves. His fielding is filled as independent pitching. His, his FIP is 3.42. PRA was 3.19. He struck out almost a batter an inning. And he pitched 205 innings in 2021. And he struck out 200 batters as well. Just like I said, the numbers speak for themselves. And wow, what a, what a pitcher the Marlins have. And yeah, like you said, a contract extension is seeming more and more likely. Thankfully, because you know, if you're not if you're gonna sign someone long term, if you're gonna have the first guy be under the new regime be extended, it's gonna be this guy, this horse, you know, this just animal who I think should be here for the rest of his career. Yeah, Sandy is the ace. He's the MVP of the team. I'm a little surprised Aguilar got it, but I mean it's okay. Sandy Sandy really proved himself this season. He really showed that he is a top pitcher in this league. You know, there was obviously the doubts. From the past couple of years, even though us Marlins fans and us reporters that you know are close to the Marlins knew this guy really had a lot of potential and really is one hell of a player, the outside world didn't really know him. And he's well known out for sure. I know Pitching Ninja has put a lot of tweets about this guy, putting just clips of you know, how nasty these pitches are that Sandy throws. Um, I think he reached he reached his goal of two of two hundred innings. I know he wanted to do that. I think he said that himself. 200 strikeouts. I think that's another goal he would have had. Uh, he reached it as well. So, one, two, swing and a miss for strike three. And there it is 200 strikeouts for Sandy Alcantara. And he gets a hand from the Marlins bench. A milestone that has not been reached very often in Marlins history, and Sandy gets to that number. Now it's just the extension, man. And I know Craig reported this, I think, at some point, that an extension is is looking likely. Um, It it, it looks like there's going to be some kind of an extension, hopefully sooner rather than later, so we can just get Sandy back as quick as possible, and we don't have to keep talking about a Sandy Alcantara extension, just like we did with the Starlin Marte one, which, you know, Unfortunately, never went through, but I mean, Isaac, what's the ideal extension for Sandy? I know we talked that we were going to give our extension. I mean, the last one I'm pretty sure was five years, $50 million. That was the one I was around offered to him, What would, which is a steal, by the way. What, what's your um, extension looking like for him? Well, for Sandy, I, 
if you guys just saw Sensatella with Colorado just got extended for a hefty amount and Sandy's a better pitcher, but I think Eli made a great point that Colorado is, you know, desperate for pitching because no starting pitcher wants to go there. So if whatever pitchers that they want to keep, they're going to have to overpay for them. So I think a comparable extension would be the Carlos Martinez extension with St. Louis, which was five years, 51 million. So I would say somewhere in that ballpark, maybe they give him a little bit more and give him 60 million, but I would, I would say four to five years in the 45 to $55 million range, I think would get it done. Yeah, I'm going to go with you on that one as well. I had the same idea. I would try to get more years on it, but, I mean, six years would be nice. Just adding an, an extra year just to make sure. Uh, and, I, and I would go maybe around the 60, 60 mil range, 65 million. Just secure the guy. Give him what he wants because he's really proven himself. And at this point, you got to give him whatever he asks for. Maybe if you could lowball it a little bit, get a little bit, make get him to sign, I guess, on the discount, I guess you could say, the hometown discount. Mm -hmm. uh that, that would make sense I, I would go six years 60 mil hopefully it happens i mean hopefully it just resigns in general i mean however many years it is so yeah i mean San sandy's role on the team next year as well is going to be huge isaac i mean this guy's going to be the number one starter opening day for sure uh my, i don't know how I, maybe you could even go over the 200 innings hopefully we expect the marlins in the playoffs next season um i mean he already has the playoff experience as well i think he pitched the first game against the cubs it was in that 2020 playoff series. He pitched against Atlanta too. I think he pitched a pretty good game as well against the Braves. I think it was the first one as well of that mm -hmm. series, which was back and forth, ended off in the Marlins loss, obviously. But I mean, what do you think this guy's role could look like in the future of the team uh, of this team? No, you already said it. He's going to be the ace. He's going to be the workhorse. He's going to pitch 200 innings, well, 180 plus innings every single year that he help that he remains healthy, um, God willing. And yeah, you're right. He he's pitched just such high leverage games as a starter. He's pitched opening day two years in a row. He started that first playoff game in 17 seasons in Wrigley Field in the wildcard game. He pitched fantastic. And though division series game one, he he pitched okay. I know he gave up a bomb to Acuna on like the first at bat yeah. of that game. And then like he did he didn't go that far into that game, but that was just, you know, he hit Acuna and there's some bullshit going on. But man, and he clinched the playoffs in 2020 against the New York Yankees, which I'm, you know, anyone that knows the situation with the Marlins and the CEO of the Marlins and who it is, yeah. the Yankees were not, not trying to have the Marlins clinch on their home field. So Alcantara pitched amazingly. He's going to continue to, and he's going to be a mentor for all these young guys like Edward Cabrera and Sixto Sanchez. And he's going to have such immeasurable value for, for however long he stays. And the worst part about it, you know, about this season for Sandy was, he ended with a losing record, you know. We talk about all this good. He ended with a losing record because of one thing, run support, which he was the guy that was never given run support. The Marlins always – it looked like they chose a new pitcher every time. At one point, it was Pablo. And then I think more or less at the end of the season, Sandy never got his run support. So uh, if I'm correct, it was like a 9-15 and 15 record he finished with Isaac. I don't know if you have the stat there, but, I mean, I think that's what it was if I'm correct. Yeah, Sandy just never got run support at, at points in the season. Yeah, no, Sandy Sandy finished well below, well under 500. And he, it, there was an interesting stat that he, he wasn't even close. Even if he had won like the last three starts, he finished, yeah, you're right. He finished nine and 15. Just that, that just speaks like, look at his numbers and look at his record, just speaks to how dreadful this Marlins offense was. So that's why that's all they're going to be dealing with this offseason, hopefully. And hopefully that win loss record will, will even out a little bit in 2022. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And that is exactly why we're going to start talking about, I guess, free agency spotlight is what I'm going to call it. We're going to go through a position of choice, and this time we're going to go catcher because that is a diehard need for the Marlins. I'm going to read off the names that I guess are the most notable ones because some of them we literally don't care about and probably won't sign with a team. Uh, there's Tucker Barnhart, who has an option with the Reds. It's a $7 million option. That's a club option. So I'm assuming they either decline it and try to get him in a cheaper contract or they take it and just keep him. Then you have Robinson Chirinos, uh, Jan Gomes, Sandy Leon, uh, Jeff Mathis, former old friend of ours, Roberto Perez, Manny Pina, Buster Posey, Wilson Ramos, Austin Romine, Kurt Suzuki, Christian Vasquez, Mike Zunino. Out of all those names, which one, I guess, stands out to you? And I think we might have the same answer on this one. I mean, if we're going to go through free agency, which I think the Marlins are going to go through a trade for um, for a catcher, whether it's Wilson Contreras, yeah. Jacob Stallings, where they go free agency, which is a possibility. If they go do sign, you know, one of them, um, or they make the big trades like for a Brian Reynolds or a, or for a center fielder, maybe they do go, you know, budget free agent signing in for the catcher position. Jan Gomes would be my choice. If I were running yeah. the team, he's the guy, we, they, the realistic option that they could get. And the other one is Mike Zunino. I think the power potential is just crazy. Not potential because he's already proven it. He's playing with the with the Rays right now. I think he would be a realistic option as well. I even though four million is not a lot, I can see the Rays just buying him out, honestly, because they have some other good catchers on that ball club. So I think Mike Zunino could be a realistic option there. Yeah, with Zunino, he's on a four million club option right now. So at the end of the year, it's a one million dollar buyout. So yeah, maybe they actually do do this. I, I was gonna say Zunino as the option. Um, you know, and then you also have Sandy Leon, who, I mean, that guy was great for the Marlins last season, pitched and everything. I mean, Cy Young candidate, but I mean, yeah, realistically speaking, Sandy Leon actually could be an option to bring back when you really look at worked well with the young guys, just can't do anything offensively. So yeah, just I mean, give him a minor league deal with an invite to spring training, have him be the fifth or sixth catcher depth wise. And if you need him, you need him, but hopefully you don't. And if anything, you could just keep him in the minor leagues, kind of like what Robinson Chirinos did this year with the Yankees. Mm-hmm. So at the start of the season, he went then went to Chicago and you know he did his thing there. So yeah, my choice would be Mike Zunino. If Christian Vasquez or Roberto Perez don't come back to their teams, I would take a look at them, especially if they don't make a Contreras trade. Um, but really looking at it, the catcher market isn't that hot this year. So I think it would make sense for at least the Marlins to make trades. Obviously, other MLB teams are gonna go after these guys for sure. I mean, Tampa would be one to have some to bring in back Zunino for sure, especially since they have pretty young catchers on their roster. I mean, a lot of their team is run by this minor league system, which is probably the best in baseball. And they just bring guys up, develop them, they do well, and then they trade them pretty much. That's what it's looked like. And, you know, we saw it with Blake Snell. We saw it with some other guys on that team. You could probably name a couple too, Isaac, but I mean, Tampa, Tampa is really just that team that brews the guys and then trades them after a couple seasons up in the in the in the major league team. Maybe they do that, but I mean, Zunino's I think is one of those guys who 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 will help those young catchers in the, in the minor league system for Tampa. Then you have Christian Vasquez, who who is another guy who 
who really has shown up for Boston this season. He's been pretty decent. I don't know if you have the stats there, but Vasquez for sure could help out Boston if he go, if he does go back. But if he doesn't, he could go to a contending team. I think I mentioned the Dodgers, but they have Will Smith. They have um the backups, so I don't think he'll go there. Maybe Washington's a good fit for Vasquez. I mean, what are those guys that you're really looking into the free agent market going to either contending teams or like you know maybe those rebuilding teams like Baltimore and the Marlins, unfortunately? I mean, like you said, like that the free agent, you know, market for catching is just thin. Just the catching position overall in Major League Baseball is pretty thin. If you're yeah. not you know, JT Real Muto or if you're not Salvador Perez or Yasmani Grandal, mm-hmm. it really is a thin a thin position all around the big leagues. I think the Rays, they like their young catcher, Francisco Mejia, the switch hitter. I think they like him a lot and he's performed pretty well. So uh, if I had to choose, I think Mike Zunino would be a would be a chill fit. I don't think he should be the, the star acquisition this offseason but please and no. regard, to answer your question about whether they're going to go to i think whatever team needs a catcher is going to get a catcher and that's that yep and i guess we'll we'll keep going with the catchers here a little marlins talk i mean we talked about it well you guys did on that final show of the season i wasn't there unfortunately but you guys talked about Contreras. i mean he's the guy that i think he's the big fish when it comes to catchers for the marlins Stallings would be another option, but obviously we would like to go after the top five catcher in Wilson Contreras, especially since now we know Peyton Burdick's the minor league player of the year. The value went up. That was the deal break, and the Marlins didn't do it at the time. Re- revisit that trade right now, Isaac. Would you would you pull the trigger for Burdick if it was for Burdick? If there was any sort of possibility that an extension was close, yeah. Yeah, even if not, yeah, because I think 2022 needs to be the year that they at least make the playoffs or at least are like three games out. But I was talking to Danny Alfred about this, about Contreras. And, you know, Contreras is a Venezuelan. He's a catcher. He fills a position of need. Yeah. And Danny doesn't want Wilson Contreras on the Marlins. And I was just like, why? And he he wouldn't give me a straight answer. But he's just like, no. Like, he, I don't, I'm not sure why. I think maybe it has to do with the personality. Maybe it has to do with like him developing pitchers. I'm not sure what it was. I'll try, I'll talk to him again on Tuesday. But yeah, no, Wilson Contreras was someone that, you know, he wasn't very excited about. I personally would love him in a Marlins uniform. I think yeah. he is the, one of the better offensive catchers in all of baseball. He gets on base and his OPS was a bit under 800 at 778. His OPS plus was 108 above league average. So, and he has a hose of an arm behind home plate. So I think if you can get him for not a crazy amount, like maybe Burdick and more arms would be a little bit too much. And I'm thinking because he only has one year left of control. So, you know, remember the Manny Machado trade, for example, and they didn't get that much. So I think they could probably work out a deal where it doesn't kill the system. Yeah, I think that's the key. But the biggest key, as you mentioned, was he's on a one-year deal. I mean, you kind of have to make sure this guy's going to re-sign with you. I mean, there's probably going to be some tampering or something if, if that happens. I mean, I don't know if you could talk to the guy and be like, hey, you, you know, you, you want to re-sign with us, you know, at the end of the season. But I think Alex said it the best. I mean, you have to talk. You have to secure that this guy is going to pretty much re-sign with you once that time comes around. And I think I, I, I put up. A, I didn't put it up. I haven't put it up yet. At least I, I have a trade scenario already, which is Contreras goes to Miami for Burdick, Nicholas, and Evan Fitter. Which that seems like a good trade because okay. Fitter really hasn't worked out for the Marlins. Nicholas is a guy who they brought up around trade deadline, kind of for a showcase kind of scenario where they show him off. You know, in the higher levels, which double is a pretty difficult level to play to play in. And then you give up Peyton Burdick, which was the guy that Chicago wanted in the first place. And now he's the minor league player of the year. You have Brian De La Cruz, which at the time you didn't at that trade. So 
it, it does make sense to make that deal, but I think securing that Contreras resigns with the Marlins is what the biggest part of any transaction to bring him into Miami would be. And also, he does bring fans. He's going to bring fans to the crowd, to the to the stadium, which is something that I think we all want to see. We all we want to see a pretty packed stadium. So I, I don't know what kind of scenario you would have in a trade, uh, Isaac. Um, I, I think Brian De La Cruz's emergence should be irrelevant when discussing any potential trade for Wilson Contreras. Okay. I think what I think is that if you're going to trade Payne Burdick, who has, you know, immense potential, I don't think that, you know, beggars can't be choosers here when, you know, the Marlins need a catcher more than I think any team in Major League Baseball. So yeah, they really, really need it. We can't sit, sit on our asses and say, you know, I'm speaking as if I'm them, say, oh, we, you know, we, we, we don't want to do this if, you know, unless we have an extension lined up. You need, Jeter said it, Mish said it. There is an incredible amount of pressure for 2022. So if 2022 is what matters and it goes well with Contreras on a one-year deal, he'll want to resign. And if he doesn't, then what you didn't give up that much to begin with because it was only a one-year one-year deal. One it was a one-year yeah. rental that you were trying to acquire. So I think that trade proposal that you you made was really what was really good. I think it's a little a, a little bit much because I think Fitterer has a lot of potential. I think Nicholas has a lot of potential, and Burdick is obviously like the centerpiece of that deal. So maybe you can get away with less if you're the Marlins. Maybe I'm totally wrong. I'm not a front office executive. But, yeah, it'd be something along the lines of a guy like Burdick, a guy like Scott, as well as one more, one or two more sweeteners. Yeah. And I mean, there's not much more to say. It's just try to get the guy. In. And, yeah, you're right when it comes to, hey, if the Marlins make the playoffs, they have a pretty good playoff run. Maybe they get to the second round and then they lose there. Contreras is going to want to stay. I mean mm – -hmm. It was either stay in Chicago, which they're probably going to go through a rebuild now, a really long rebuild, or you go to Miami, you have a chance to compete, you make the playoffs, hopefully a successful playoff run, and then you could stay there for a couple more years, you resign a deal. Maybe Miami can get away with a very cheap deal. Maybe you give up maybe only Burdick and Fitter and you keep Nicholas and mm -hmm. put him in a deal for maybe Brian Reynolds, and then you bring in Contreras, Reynolds, and if you sign Castellanos, Castellanos, and you have a big three right there. Or maybe... I don't know. Maybe it goes down to spring training and they make the deal at spring training. You decide yeah. between Peyton Burdick or De La Cruz. I know that's been the talk. Let's say De La Cruz doesn't show up in spring training. He doesn't have a good spring training and Peyton Burdick just mashes it there. Would you consider trading De La Cruz and keeping Burdick as that fourth outfielder? Yeah. I mean, one more thing. I know this is not a Cubs podcast, but you got to just be curious about what they're thinking. You know, they, they literally tore it down to the yeah. like, holy shit. They could not have. Put, down, put a more ineffective lineup out there every single day in the second half of the season, and you keep Contreras, it's kind of similar to what the Marlins did with Real Muto. You know, they kept it for that one year, but it's a different scenario because Real Muto had a little bit more control than Contreras has. Now you completely minimized all of his potential value in any trade because of the only one year of control. So I, I don't know what the Cubs are thinking there, and hopefully it, it works out well for the for the Marlins in this situation. Trust me, I'm making a video on the Cubs talking about their offseason plans, and I spoke to Ethan, and he had no idea what, what to really yeah, tell me. I, I don't, it, I don't It's weird because then there's also the rumors where those guys could come back. They got traded, Bryant, Rizzo, mm -hmm. Pies. I, I highly doubt it, though. I mean, I yeah, think those guys are going to stay with their perspective teams. At least Chris Bryant, I think, would stay with the Giants. But Rizzo, I have no idea where he could go. I know he's a Miami guy. Rizzo to Miami, maybe. <laughs> that would be funny, but I mean. I don't know. Well, Baez, I think he's a local kid. He's a local kid as well. He's a local kid, so yeah, he's from um, Stoneman uh, Douglas. I believe. Yeah, Stoneman Douglas. Yeah, 
well, um, I mean, no, there's also Stallings. We could also talk about Stallings a little bit here. Uh, he's a guy who I know we've talked about. We were raving about this guy. Craig was for sure, you know, hooked to this guy with the gold glove. Uh, he had the the streak with the um, no pass balls. I mean, what can you tell us about Stallings? Defense-oriented catcher, a fantastic, you know, catcher. Like you said, he had that record of not allowing a single pass ball almost all year. Um, the offense is a little underwhelming, and I think offense is what this team needs, like an incredible amount. Nice. So he wouldn't be a bad option just because anyone would be an improvement over the catching tandem that they had this year. So, But I definitely think Stallings would be an option. He'd be like the second or third option. I think Hector yeah. Rodriguez mentioned him as that. But, yeah, if, if Wilson Contreras doesn't work out and Jan Gomes doesn't work out, yeah, Jacob, they could pivot towards Jacob Stallings, and that would be a hell of an upgrade. Yeah, I saw that article by Hector today. He also mentioned Mitch Garvin, Carson Kelly, which I know Carson Kelly had in the back of my mind at the start of the season when the, the trades were coming up you know, for, for possibly getting Contreras. And I know I always had Carson Kelly behind my mind. Then you have Mitch Garver. Miami, I know the Twins were close to getting Eliezer. Maybe you do that now. You you tr you say let's get Eliezer. Miami's not going to get Bryce. They're not going to bring up Bryce and Brigman. You deal him. You you put him in as a sweetener. Maybe you do Eliezer, Brigman, and Connor Scott for Mitch Garver. And if you try to get someone else in that deal, you go for it. I mean, what what would you do in that scenario? Mitch, I Craig did mention Eliezer as someone that the Twins had scouted a bit, and I don't think Mitch Garver would require a huge package or anything. Maybe you. They could go the route of doing a package of maybe Max Kepler and Garver to a, yeah. to a more crazy thought, Byron Buxton and Mitch Garver. The Twins have pieces that the Marlins could use, and the Twins need pitching, which the Marlins can give. So I think those two teams match up really well, really nicely. And they did do a trade, remember, a couple years ago for Lewin and Sir. Yes, yeah, it was the Sergio Romo Lewin Diaz trade. Right. Yeah. So they, they have made deals before with this regime. So it's definitely something to, to keep in mind. <laughs> the Marlins robbed them on that trade, let's yeah. be honest. They, that is, that's I don't know that they will really want to make another trade after that one. But yeah. uh, I want to talk to you about the MLB playoffs. What have been your thoughts, you know, as of right now? We had that crazy St. Louis um, Dodgers game, which ended in with a Chris Taylor home run, which there's a question about Chris Taylor in the Q and a, so we'll talk about him for sure. So, you know, what, what have been your actual thoughts on the playoffs? I mean, they've been pretty cool. I mean, to be honest, yeah, I, mean, I haven't watched much of the division series yet, but I did watch both wildcard games. Um, one of them at a bar and the other one at home, uh, the Red Sox game, you, you can talk about, um, Phil Nevin sending judge around third in that situation. And it was just a great game. I, Red Sox Yankees is always gonna be a fantastic one, especially when it's a one game playoff. And in this situation, the Red Sox came out on top. And so Giancarlo and Judge and Rizzo are all going home. I think the Yankees need to maybe just take a look in the mirror and just say, we can't just keep throwing in these power bats and have no table setters at the top. So I think they need to – and also get some more pitching because Garrett Cole, yeah, you gave him $324 million. You need to have someone a backup plan in case there's no spider tack available. And then in the yeah. Dodgers Cardinals game, that was a hell of a ball game. Wow, what what yeah. an awesome time this year! That Trey Turner double play ball that ended the thread in the third, and just like every inning was pivotal. Juan Soto being there, repping his, repping his old jersey, repping Trey Turner's jersey, and just like supporting his team, his ex teammates Scherzer and and Turner. That was just awesome to see. And boy, Alex Reyes left one, and that's that's what cost the Cardinals the season. Yeah. You know, Juan Soto trying to do his recruitment to get those guys back. I think they're both on one-year deals. But, but, yeah, I mean, going out there, supporting your team. I did not watch much of the Yankees one, but I did watch the uh, 
Cardinals, um, Dodgers one. Wainwright pitched a gem. I mean, let's be honest. Besides that one run, he pitched a gem. Scherzer, they should have left in a little bit more. I don't know if you agree with that one. They should have left him in. I know Noah was talking about keeping Wainwright, but the guy was like at 94 pitches already. I mean, it didn't make much sense to leave him in unless the guy really wanted to, which it, it seems like he did because the way he was walking off, you know, he's screaming. It, it was a good game. I did not watch the homer, but besides that, um, great game. Chris Taylor hit uh, the uh, the walk off there. It, it was a cool, it was a cool playoff series. Now we have Tampa and um and the Red Sox in the AL. We also have Chicago against Houston. We have who do we have on the NL? Braves versus is it the Brewers? Braves, Brewers, and it's Dodgers Giants, which is gonna be the best series in a long time. That one's gonna be the best one, yeah. I mean, who do you think wins each series when you really look at it? Man, I think the Brewers had the chance, except their their best reliever just is an idiot. You know, Literally. for that their term, I think just smashing his hand because he was drunk, his pitching hand, no less. Oh, yeah, Devin Williams. Devin Williams. I think. I think they they had they were gonna just milk those five pitchers in Woodruff, Burns, Hader, and Williams, and I, I'm blanking on the fifth. Um, but no, I honestly think the Braves have a chance to win that series, and then in the Dodgers Giants, I would like to see the Giants come out on top there. I think Gabe yeah. Kapler went through a lot of scrutiny in his one season with Philadelphia, and look what he's done now with this team that was expected to go third in the division and be under 500 by like 10 games, 20 games. So I'd like to see the Giants. But it, it really could go either way. I, I haven't paid enough attention to either team over the season to have a um, a knowledgeable prediction. But I would I'd like to see the Giants. Yeah, Dodgers and Giants. I want to see the, the Giants. I want to see the Brewers take the Bra- the Braves series. I mean, I think we both do. Just because the Braves are that division. Honestly, I, I you know I don't want to see Yelich and the Brewers win anything. I also just yeah. dislike the Brewers and the Braves. I dislike them as well. So I, that team, I, I couldn't care less about those. Yeah, and then we have on the AL. I, I kind of want to see Tampa win, but Boston really deserves it after the season they've had and you know surprising pretty much everyone in the MLB. So uh, I want Boston to win that one. And then we have Chicago versus Houston. I want to see the White Sox take it. I want to see you know uh, Jose Abreu go to the next level, get to the World Series hopefully. So Q and A time. You know, I think we've all been waiting for this, Eli. Uh, I don't know if you have the first question ready there, but whenever it is, I mean. We'll take a look at it and we'll answer. We have, we actually have quite, quite, quite some questions. Let's get so it. Let's go through this um, this fun Q and A that's that has a lot of funny questions. I would say. I mean, I saw one of them with the Sandy extension. It was also the Chris Taylor one. So, but what is ready? I think the Rays are gonna are gonna go all the way this year. I think they're gonna the Rays. Yeah, I think they're ready, man. They have all a right. chance. Pete, our good friend Pete Pratt. Hopefully having him on at some point in the in the pod. Quick spoiler alert there. Who's your NL MVP, Isaac? My NL MVP is, is going to be Bryce Harper. I think Bryce Harper just had a hell of a year. I know for most people are going to be like, how is it not Fernando Tatis? The, the Braves, the, the Padres, they were supposed to win the World Series. They were supposed to be fantastic. And Tatis, yeah, he had a phenomenal year. But, you know, he didn't help bring his team to the postseason. He, he missed a lot of time with some injuries. Yeah. And Bryce Harper, if you just look at the numbers, he had 500 bats, 488 to be exact. He hit 309. His OPS was more than 1,000, 1,044, an OPS plus of 179, 35 homers. And he just really just hit all year long, stayed healthy, and has the best hair in baseball. 
add on to that. So I think Bryce Harper would be my my NL MVP. I was between Harper, Votto, and then I brought up Castellanos at some point. I want to go Votto, but I'm, I'm going to go Bryce Harper. I think that's the, the obvious pick at this point. He really got Philly almost – he got him right there. That That's the I – th- I think that's the real crucial part, even though at, at some point Votto really had them right there as well. Castellanos – all those guys really almost made the playoffs when you look at it. Um, Yeah, Harper's just shown it off all. I hate to say Harper because they're in the division, and I don't like the Phillies that much, but – he deserves to win it. He's had one hell of a season. So yeah. there you have it, Pete. Uh, thanks for asking the question. Let's go on to the next one, which is from um, Mardevirk. <laughs> Sorry if I pronounced your name wrong. It's MDV. Would you, be, would you and Isaac be okay with Chris Taylor being the star acquisition this offseason like Bass was this last offseason? Isaac, go ahead. Yes. If he's the best one and they don't get a Brian Reynolds and they don't get so you know what I I'm sorry I spoke too seriously. I remember he he really went into that wild card game struggling mightily. Like you I think it was 10 for his last 72, if I remember correctly. But he's a hell of a ball player who just always seems to hit and hit clutch and he can play every position on the diamond. And if they were to somehow get him, and I, I don't know, it's a it's a tough question because this Wilson Contreras would be considered a better yeah, exactly. acquisition than him. I, I don't know. They are probably similar, you know, valued players. They're really good. So, but if he were to be one of the best, yes. If he's, if it's just Chris Taylor and then a guy like Jan Gomes and a guy like Brian De La Cruz staying in center field, then no, I wouldn't be okay with it. But if he was like the best one instead of, if we were to get him instead of Ryan Reynolds, for example, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, this is one of those questions where it's like, did they get Reynolds? Did they get Castellanos, for example? Did they get right. Contreras? Because if they no. did, this would be a great acquisition, but it wouldn't be the star acquisition that we've been talking about. Because in that case, it would be Castellanos. You know, no offense to Contreras or, or Reynolds, but Castellanos is the best of the bunch there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if it's Chris Taylor and you got a couple of relievers, which I dropped an article on that today, I guess it would be the star acquisition of the offseason, you know, especially with the hype video they made for Bass. The jersey, you know, the introductory press conference. I think they did that too. Yeah, Chris Taylor's a great player, a great utility player as well. He could play it all pretty much. Um, you know, unfortunately, Alfaro didn't become the utility guy we all wanted him to become, especially after they went and compared him to Chris Taylor himself. Yeah, to, yeah. and Max Muncy, I'm pretty sure they compared him yeah. to. So, you know, the Marlins really did have the, the balls to do that. So, I mean, hopefully, Chris Taylor. Does come to Miami, it would be a good acquisition. It would be a good bench depth for sure as well. I would say if he, the Marlins do acquire all these guys. So, yeah, honestly, it just depends the situation to make him the star acquisition, like you're saying here. Next question. Were the fans' expectations too high going into the season, making this year twice as difficult to the stomach? I think we would have the same answer on this one, and I think that's a yes. If you want to go into further explanation on that one, Isaac. Yeah, I think I think anyone that knows baseball and watched the team last year knew that if the game, if the season was 162 in 2020, the team would have finished under 500, more than likely. Um, I think it was great that they made the postseason. Um, and I think a lot of fans are just like, oh my god, we made the playoffs! Holy jeepers! Like, holy shit! You know, wow, we're gonna be in the World Series next year. And I'm like, and, you know, you just look at the teams around you. The Braves were in it by a lot. The Phillies are only getting better. The Nationals at the time were good. 
and the Mets have a billionaire owner who can just get them whatever they want. So I knew it was going to be. I think most people, most knowledgeable people, knew that getting into the playoffs or even having a 500 record this season was going to be difficult. And the Marlins did not do anything close, anything near close enough to you know add enough talent. Besides Duvall and Bass, they didn't do much, and Detweiler. So they needed to do a lot more. I think now they realize that they have a lot of work to do if they do want to be competitive. So, yeah, I do think the fans' expectations were too high. I think the front office's expectations were too high. I think they really expected to win, and I'm not – I guess they were just delirious because Dakota had them winning 70 games-ish. Eli Sussman had them not being too good. I didn't have them being too good. I don't think you had them being too excellent either. So, yeah, I think just overall expectations were too high, and and I think they even – they. Boy, did they fall below the, below the, the high expectations, unfortunately. Yeah, I kind of had them in second place. I'm not even going to lie. My expectations were extremely high. I had Mets, Marlins, Braves, Phillies, Nationals. That's but, optimistic. yeah, expectations were extremely high, especially after last season. Um, they, 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 you know, it's just crazy to think the Marlins really made the playoffs. Um, and then you, you expected more from them. You, you said they're unjogged. Alcantara went crazy. They got this great signing in Aguilar. Brandon Kinsler at the time, people thought he would be back, which he didn't return. I, I would say thankfully so because he's not been too good with the Phillies, I'm pretty sure. Um, Go ahead. No, I'm not saying, you know, then you have Jazz coming in. Lay mm-hmm. hopefully comes in next season. Expectations were pretty fucking high. I'm not even going to lie. And somehow the, the front office just – you would think they would go after these – Big time free agents, especially after you see the Mets going after goddamn Lindor. You see that the Phillies, who else did they, they extend to Real Muto? You know, the Braves out here going out for really good players. They get Ozuna back. I mean, the Mets were going crazy too. They got Carrasco as well. They got um, Strowman came back on, the, on, on that they team got option. Trevor, we got Trevor May. Trevor May. And I know they got someone else too because they, they, they went crazy that free agency. And it was like dumb against the Padres to see what the best free agency in Miami just goes out there and gets Adam Duvall. And then they go out there and get who else? That Weiler they got. They got Simber. Um, Sandy, mm-hmm. goddamn Sandy. Fucking well, they man, traded right I away, uh, which I don't understand. You know, for Adam Simber, he was pitching pretty well. He was off to a tough start in his Marlins tenure, but he was pitching pretty well. And he was a valuable piece out of the bullpen. You know, he got out of some pretty pretty sticky stuff. Um, and they just traded him for Joe Panic, which I I don't understand, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah, expectations were high. I think that's why it hit us pretty hard. We expected the Marlins to be good. I think we all did at some point. We didn't expect them to maybe make the playoffs. I would say I expected them to be good, but not to make the playoffs, because the only way you would make the playoffs in that division is if you win the division. That's mm-hmm. what it turned into and the Marlins are not going to be better than the Braves or the Mets. Not maybe maybe not even the Phillies. For sure the Nationals, but those three other teams, no. Maybe they could have been better than the Phillies for sure. Because that Phillies bullpen is not too good. Next question here is from V. What's the first base situation? Uh go ahead here, Isaac. Yeah, that's a very complex question, actually, because the Marlins have, you know, with the new CBA, the DH is expected to be implemented in 2022. Yeah. So it gives the Marlins a little more, you know, flexibility when it comes to the first base position because they have sort of three guys for that one spot. Now it's two spots. So I, I think they, they're going to keep Aguilar. Now it's just a bit of a sketchy situation because he went under knee surgery. And I know, you know, he's never known for his, you know, ability to move so quick anyway. But, you know, a knee surgery is knee surgery nonetheless. So you have to be careful with that. 
And Lewin Diaz, I think, has earned himself a spot as starting first baseman in 2022. Mm -hmm. So that leaves Garrett Cooper as the odd man out. Now they can. I personally think Garrett Cooper is probably the best hitter of the bunch, which is frustrating to say because he's going to be the one that maybe is not here anymore. And the Marlins need offense, and they're going to get rid of the best hitter. What they could do is maybe stick him in the outfield again and do that whole brouhaha, which I don't think they would want to do. Yeah, no. yeah, I don't think they'd want to do that. And Sanchez is in right anyway, and he looks horrible in left. So I think Sanchez has to stay in right. So I'm not sure. I don't know whether they keep Cooper as insurance in case Aguilar or Lewin. Lewin has just as good of a chance of not performing next year as well. So yeah. I, I, if I were them, I would go into – unless you get like you can get a really valuable piece for Gary Cooper or Jesus Aguilar, which you probably can't at this point. But if you can get something of value from Cooper, trade him. If not, there's no reason to trade him because – just go into spring training with all three of them and usually things like that work themselves out yeah just for a quick reference as well miami tried to trade aguilar in the trade deadline no interest in there i was kind of surprised there wasn't any interest especially with how good aguilar was at the time you know he, he had all those homers he, he was pretty consistent leading the league in rbi yeah that too him and duval were leading the league in rbi it was it was a it was a cool competition between them two but at the end of the day didn't trade him. They kept him. They're trying to extend him now, which good good for the Marlins. So that leaves it probably to Garrett Cooper being the odd guy out. I know we talked. We were talking on our group chat about um, Stamian, the the guy from the from the Royals, is an option. I think Ethan mentioned to us Cooper for 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 him. Oh, Stamount is a pitcher. Yeah, Stamount, yeah, yeah, the reliever. Um, mm-hmm. that that could be an option, and maybe you know you tr- you throw in. Brigman as a sweetener, but I think Cooper is the odd guy out unless they somehow magically try him in at second at um left field, which no, it, it wouldn't. It, it's not gonna. I hope. I hope it doesn't happen. But I mean, they put Alfaro at left field. They 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 put Alfaro at left field. They would put anyone at left field at this point. So it it I, I don't know Cooper. I, it would sucks to see him go because that twenty twenty season he was great in the twenty twenty season. He was. He started off horrendously in 2021, but right before his injury, he he was he was really raking that ball. He was doing everything he had to defensively. He looked good. The only issue is the Marlins have Lewin Diaz, and that's a good issue to have, really, when you look at it. So I, I think Cooper's going to be gone maybe by spring training. At some point during spring training, it's going to come down to a three-man competition. First two guys to get that, and then you that's when you say, all right, let's look to trade Cooper because Cooper does have value. Especially in the American League, his value is going to be very high. Um, so we'll see really what happens on that end. Uh, I, I I want to see Cooper very succeed. American League is where he should go. I think same for Aguilar. If the Marlins miraculously do trade Aguilar, so we'll we'll see what happens. I, I don't know if you have any last words on that. No, I think we covered it pretty well. It's those three guys. One of them's not to leave. I think they're going to prefer to keep Lewin because just the defense alone, I think he's second in the NL in defensive runs saved in like a fraction of the innings played. So I'm fine with Lewin being there. And they're going to keep Aguilar because he was just a, a great find from Tampa Bay who I think non-tendered him. And the Marlins picked him up. And I think Craig was pretty uh, – he was pretty skeptical on Jesus Aguilar. And Aguilar ended up being one of the best hitters in the last yeah. years of the Marlins. Yeah, and just a couple years ago, um, he was – in 2018, I think I think it was he had a great season with Milwaukee. So yeah. this was a this is one of those finds where you say some, the Marlins made a good find. They got a really cheap guy because Aguilar is not earning. I don't even think he's at three mil. I'm pretty sure Isaac. So 
Um, my Miami's payroll is very low. Not even I don't think Sandy's even early earning one million dollars, if I'm correct. So, just a little reference there. What do you guys like to do for fun when not at Lone Depot Park? Also, what are the odds of Starlin Marte reunion? Isaac, uh, <laughs> the group chat knows exactly what you do when you're not in Lone Depot Park. We'll let you share it off. Um, I don't do much out of Lone Depot Park, so I get you know, like Kevin and I, I think. We like to, you know, hang out with our friends, maybe go out sometimes, watch other sports. Uh, I know the MLB playoffs are on, so when we're not covering baseball games for a living, we're um, we're watching it on the television. And uh, yeah, that's about it. We like to play. I, personally, I like to play basketball once in a while and go to the club maybe, but that's, a, <laughs> that's about it. And to, um, to answer the Sorry Marte reunion question, I don't I don't see it as too likely just because he they could have offered him. I, Craig said it. It's not that he didn't want to. It's that the Marlins didn't offer enough, and the Marlins knew exactly what they had to do to reach that number that he wanted. They didn't do it, and the numbers only get higher in free agency. Except they're going to have they're going to have to compete with all these whales of franchises that can offer a hell of a lot more. So I, I don't see it as likely. I think for center field, a trade is more likely, and you know we just want to thank Starling for his contribution because seeing him up close every single day for the last you know year and a half year. It's been a treat because that guy, you know, with Pittsburgh, we're seeing him from afar. We knew he was good. He's just a phenomenal talent, honestly. And whatever team gets him is going to be really lucky. What do I do outside of Lone Depot Park? Well, I was only there three times this year. So I guess you could see school, um, band. And besides that, I love basketball. So I go to, I went, I go to a lot of heat games. You know, I do my traveling as well. So outside of Lone Depot Park, I don't do too much, but. You know, if you follow Isaac on Instagram, you know exactly where he's at. Um, you know, every couple of days, a couple of days a week. Um, and Starlin Marte, they're gonna do their due diligence. They're gonna offer him a contract. Obviously, yeah. probably gonna decline it. I th- if they offer him the fourth year, which we know that was one of the biggest things. Maybe he takes it. That four year, forty mil. Maybe maybe he doesn't, but I doubt he's gonna come back. Marlins are obviously going to say, "Hey, you know, you want to come back? Here's a contract. You know, take it or leave it." He says, "I, I don't want this." All right, we tried. You know, and they'll go after a bigger fish like Castellanos. You want to go for also a younger guy like Brian Reynolds, and then you have Jesus Sanchez. You also have Peyton Burdick in the minor leagues. You have JJ Blade who probably won't come up next year, maybe at September call-ups. But I think that's all the questions we had. I know we had one more there, Eli, which was the uh, the Sandy one. I I wanted to share this. It's pretty funny. If you have it there, you know, you could put it up because this is pretty funny. It was right here. <laughs> Do you, any of you want to buy some world's finest chocolate bars? Building a fundraiser to pay for Sandy Alcantara's extension. That, that's actually pretty funny. And I think we'll end it right there on that note. You know, 53 minutes recording. Uh, I mean, what else is there really to say, Isaac? I mean, it was it, baseball season's over. We do have a lot coming up. We're hoping to have a guest on for the next one. So... Yeah, I don't know if you have any last words. No, just, you know, watch the MLB playoffs. Watch, you know, the, the type of teams and the type of talent and the layers of talent that these teams have and just say, okay, that's what the Marlins need to have. And unfortunately, they, they're far. Look at the Rays. They're starting three rookies in the in the American League Division Series. Three rookies. So I think that's just they, they really need to take a page out of their book and and just, you know, Try and be like them as much as possible. Look at teams like the White Sox. Look at teams, you know, like the Cardinals. These are teams that have more money than the Marlins, but they don't necessarily go and and buy players like that. So, 
just you know watch the playoffs enjoy them because playoffs playoff atmosphere is back i know in 2020 it wasn't exactly the same so yeah. it's gonna be at full at full strength again this year and hopefully the models will be there next year and we'll we'll be back here in two weeks maybe lamar's will have a move done regarding coaching staffs uh, regarding the coaching staff and we'll see what happens yeah we know about the athletic staff which some of them aren't coming back so I mean, there's not much to really just say on that. It's just wait until who they hire. Pretty much this whole month is going to be coaching staff talk, I, I would say. You yeah. know, hopefully Mel comes back. We, hopefully Duncan doesn't come back. Uh, it, it, it was a bad coaching staff this season besides Mel and Donnie. I know I do – for sure the next one, I, I'm, we're going to bring up Donnie for sure. I, I want to talk to you about Donnie. We, we actually have a lot to there's, – there's still stuff to talk about, you know. Free agency, the Marlins, MLB in general. So we'll be giving that to you guys on a biweekly basis. So – in two weeks, we'll be seeing you guys again. Subscribe on YouTube. Um, subscribe to Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Uh, you guys know all the web, all the spots where we're at. You know, they're obviously in the the website where you could listen to us. So, yeah, my name is Kevin Isaac Eli on the production side. We'll see you guys on the next one. Peace out, guys. Mm-hmm.